Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I didn't say that when we're different, we're better. We are no better. You don't say to a a person that's not a Christian, well, I'm different than you and I'm actually better than you are. No, we all started the same. We're not out condemning people, but we're to be different. We're to be salt. We're to be light. Now, how are you and I to be different? It comes from the Word of God. It doesn't come from reading the Word of God. It comes from doing the Word of God. We've learned from Pastor Mark that hearing and doing God's Word brings blessings, freedom, and success. We listen to God's Word, and Pastor Mark tells us we need to put it into action. Calvary Chapel Melbourne has many opportunities for you to walk the talk. That is, to put into action what God has done in your life, to act upon what you've heard from the Bible here on Lessons for Living. Are you ready to get involved and show others by your actions God's love? It's time to show others God's love through your actions. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 23, with his continuing study entitled, The One Thing God Wants Me to Do. We do a lot here. Sometimes you don't know it. And we do food for the homeless. And we're going to be expanding that at all of our campuses. In fact, I was talking to the guys that do the barbecue team. They're going to go out and minister even more. They do that down in Sebastian. And they just reach out to the homeless people. Next, orphans. Nana's house. We support Nana's house. It's a wonderful organization. They get homes and they put kids in it and they're buying new homes because there's so many orphans that have no place to go. A promise, you know about promise, Betsy. That's for the autism kids. The whole thing, they're going to build a village right across the street. They're going to have a place where the autism guy, guy, kids go and, and they're ministered to. Maybe you didn't see Friday in the newspaper. Autism rate in the last about three years has gone up 30 percent in the United States. One out of every 68 children are now special need children. That's amazing. Well, what do we do here at the church? Well, we have our volunteers, a whole group of them are trained at our campuses so that these special need kids can come here while we're being here in this, in our sanctuaries as adults. Those kids are being ministered to by people who are specially trained. You can be trained. Just go to your, your campus and say, I'd like to learn how to help those kids. Now, why is that important? Number one, the kids need to see somebody else ministering to them. And number two, guess what? The parents can walk in here and go, for an hour, for an hour and a half. If you don't have a special needs kid in your home 24-7, you have no idea what I just said. 
It's huge. So thank you. Thank you. Next, pregnancy resources. Big deal. We support that. We don't want abortions. Human trafficking. A few months ago, two young guys, they go to FIT. They're in school. They come here. They said, we're going to do this seminar and human trafficking. They did it, put an article in the newspaper. All kinds of people came up. So we're working with them to try to find out how we can help. Human trafficking is a huge problem in our world, and it's a huge problem right here, even in Brevard County. See, these are people who are helpless and what? Hopeless. Next, gospel for Asia. You know, letting a guy go to India every year, and there's all kinds of, you guys, hundreds of you have adopted these kids in, in uh, Bridges of Hope. Plumpy Doe's. A few years ago, I was watching ABC News, and here was this little protein supplement that you could get. And so about three years ago, in the churches that we work with in Guatemala, we, we took uh, this plumpy dough, and it's given the two, two-year-old and under. There, what they were eating as two-year-olds, up to two-year-olds, was uh, a corn taco and coffee. And we took them this protein, and they were stunted, not only in their growth, but their mental ability. They couldn't learn. We've turned that around, more than 300 students. Every month, they come and get their free supply that you guys supply from a church that loves them. And the kids are growing healthy at the age of two. They can move on and grow to the other food. Can I hear an amen somewhere over there? That, that's huge. Oh, by the way, let me go back to the girls with the, uh, the, the kids. So many of them now have gotten saved. And they're in the church, and they're learning how to be young ladies, keeping themselves until marriage, going to marry a a godly husband. Can can I hear an amen again? See, it's not just about the sanitary deal. Their whole life came to Christ. Then the second thing he says is, look out for orphans, look out for helpless, hurting people, people that are hopeless. We've done that. And we come to the kind of the third area that's right in front of us. And here it is in verse 27. Look at the end of verse 27. Religion that God our fathers accepts is pure. In other words, it's right. And faultless is this, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this is strange. I want you to just write this and take a look at this picture. How many of you are glad almost we're through with the yellow pollen? Could I see a amen? What happens with that yellow pollen? Anytime you get near it, it's what? It's on your car. How many of you have dusted your house and your husband comes home and says, hey, there's pollen over there. I just dusted it two minutes ago. Here it is again. Can I hear an amen? Save your marriage. Watch your tongue. All right, now here. Here's number three. Do it. Watch your personal purity, your godly values. You see, the Bible tells us how to live. And so what James is saying is this. Be careful. Don't let the world's pollen rub off on you. Don't let the world's values rub off on you. What are the world's values? Power, possession, pleasure, position, the priority of self, the denial of God, sin and consequences of sin. James says, be careful. That world will squeeze you into its way of thinking. You know, life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. And our world constantly is trying to squeeze us with its pollen. Okay, now you're going to become like the world. No, no, no. No, no, no. Phillips, translation of Romans 12, verse 2 is huge. Look what it says. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Old mold means the the way of thinking. How do I change my thinking? I change my thinking by reading the Word of God. That tells me 
how I should live. But let God remold your minds, the battle is always the mind from within, so that you may prove, here we go, in practice, by doing, by doing. So James says, you have to watch your life, I have to watch my life. Now, James heard Jesus teach in regard to this. There's no surprise that James says to us, be careful, don't be polluted by the world. What he means is, you should live different than the world lives. Your values have to be very different. Now, when you see that, the Beatitudes that Jesus gave in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 were huge. And one of the keys that Jesus spoke, James heard it, was this. Followers of Jesus had to be different in their thinking, their values, and their lifestyle. So would you write this down this morning? Not all the rest, just the first sentence. At all of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, you guys online, watch this. A follower of Jesus is to be different from the religious and the irreligious. Now, let me just say this. Be careful, be careful. I didn't say that when we're different, we're better. We are no better. You don't say to a a person that's not a Christian, well, I'm different than you, and I'm actually better than you are. No, we all started the same. We're not out condemning people, but we're to be different. We're to be salt. We're to be light. Now, how are you and I to be different? It comes from the Word of God. It doesn't come from reading the Word of God. It comes from doing the Word of God. Here's how. Don't need to write these down. We're to be different in our thinking. We're to be different in our values and our morals. We're to be different at home, at work, at school, at play. It's not something we do on the weekend. We're to be different in how we treat people. The world says step on people, get ahead of them. The world says this, they hurt you, hurt back quickly. No, God says just the opposite. And we're to be different in our approach to everyday living. Guys, we are simply pilgrims. You add 100 years to your age right now, we're all dead. Where will you be? Well, you're either going to be in heaven forever or hell forever. See, we have a whole different perspective, a very different perspective in the world. And that perspective comes from the Word of God. Now, Jesus knew a problem. When he said to his disciples and his believers, you're to be different, he knew that some of them would say, okay, there's pollen out there in the world. I'm not getting around them people. I'm going to my little holy huddle here at Calvary Chapel. (laughs) And us four and no more are just going to enjoy until we go to heaven. That's not at all what Jesus meant. I can't change the world unless I'm in the world. But then he gave us a warning. Watch it. His last prayer to his father was about you and me. Jesus said this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, I don't quit my job and look for a Christian venue everywhere, a Christian job, a Christian neighborhood. Absolutely not. But that you protect them while they're in the world from the evil one. Now, I want us to read this little prayer together because it's powerful. And I put my name there because this is what you're going to do. If your name is uh, Judy, you're going to read it like this. Keep Judy effective in the world. And then you put your name there. So... This isn't a difficult question. In case you didn't have your coffee, you could still do this because you know your name. It's, it's not too difficult on our campus. So we're going to read it nice and loud, out loud, everybody. If you find somebody next to you that's in reading, just smack them in the side. 
Okay, because we w- how many want to be effective in the world? That's why we're here. How many want to be protected from Satan? Both hands go up right there. Can I hear an amen? amen? That's what Jesus was saying. Now, you're going to be different, not weird, but different. And you're certainly not going to be condemning the people. When Jesus met that woman at the well, he didn't say, well, you're different. No, he loved her. Even after she said, and Jesus told her, oh, no, you've been living with five guys, been married to them, and you're living with somebody now. He'd go, what's wrong with you? He loved her and showed her how to change. So I'm going to be different. Jesus was around people. We have to be around searching people. That's why we're here. Different, never better. Now, how do we do that? How do we actually? There's, there's one thing. There's simply one thing that Jesus wants me to do. And I want you to turn in your Bibles, everybody on all of our campuses, to Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus commissioned every believer to live in the world and be effective. The issue is, how do I do that? That was the title of today's teaching. What is the one thing that will make me effective in this world? Now, we're going to read a verse It's the the most important 11 words that Jesus ever said. It's an invitation to everybody. I want you to look at me for a moment, all the campus, and I want you to focus on me for a second. You're going to know what I'm going to say, but you're not really going to know what I'm going to say. So don't write this up, Pastor Mark, I know. No, just listen, because it's going to be different today, because I want to challenge you with it. Now look, when Jesus came, the first thing Jesus did when he came, we see it in the book of Mark. He came and he took over for John the Baptist. And Jesus said these words, repent and be born again. You have to repent and be born again. But see, that just makes us Christians. That's a convert. We get started. And then Jesus said, no, there's, there's more to that. There, there's not, that, that. That's not it. There's more to this. And look at the 11 words Jesus spoke. He says this, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I, I will make you fishers of men. He was saying here, here's one thing God wants you to do. If you want to be effective in the world for God, if you want to make a difference and change your world, if you want to find hopeless and helpless people, if you want to expand the kingdom of God, there's one thing you need to do. So everybody just put your finger up this morning. There's one, how many things? One thing, and here's what it is. Take a look, right here, right here. One thing to do, what is it? Say it with me. Follow Jesus. Pastor Mark, I know that. I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you? See, we use that term very loosely. Can I challenge you this morning as I've been challenged? Many people say they're a follower of Jesus, but they're not a follower of Jesus because they don't even understand what that means. Now, Jesus made that statement, and later, he expanded it. And he's going to actually say to us this morning, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, by the way, there's three things that you have to continue to do. If you don't do these, you can call yourself anything you want, but you're not going to be effective. So there's only one thing, and it's to follow Jesus. But what does that look like? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. You're close by. Just one book to the left. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus was speaking. He says this in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, 
He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, here's the way I want to approach that this morning. You leave this afternoon, you go to work, maybe you go to see the movie God Not Dead, and you have an opportunity to talk to somebody tomorrow at work or this afternoon in the neighborhood, and they say to you, well, where have you been? Well, I went to see this movie, God Not Dead. What, what did your pastor talk about in church this weekend? I know you go to church every week. I see you driving out. You're crazy. But what, what did your pastor talk about? Well, he said that we need to learn what it means to follow Jesus. Really? What does that mean? Jesus isn't here. I mean, he died and went to heaven. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What would you say? And then the next question from them would be this. Well, if I follow Jesus, is it going to cost me? What would you say? Oh, no, it doesn't cost you at all. Perfect health, every job, parking place, no matter where you go, it's fantastic. (laughs) Really? Here's another question eventually they'll ask you. Well, what if I don't follow Jesus? Will it cost me? How would you respond to that? A smart answer? Or like the man in the boat, man, I need to do something about this. Well, we're going to learn why Jesus was saying these things. If anybody should be able to explain what it means to follow Jesus, it's those of us that follow Jesus. So let's take a look. Number one, what does Jesus say? Here it is. Write it down. All of our campuses, do commit to deny yourself. You see, the world says we're to love ourselves, pamper ourselves, indulge ourselves. Make sure you numero uno. Get in front of the line. Don't let anybody get a hold of you. But Jesus said, whoa, 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 just the opposite. Quit living for self. Quit making yourself, number one, and make God number one. Jesus says to those who want to follow him, you can no longer live independently and decide the direction of your lives. You're to submit and follow God because wherever he leads, it simply makes sense Because you're not all-knowing, and God is. So the greatest barrier to following Jesus Christ is me. Is it going to cost me if I follow Jesus? Yes, it is. I have to give up my desires, my direction, and I do what God asks me to do. Now, when I make God number one, what does that mean? Let me give you a little illustration. I think it makes sense. This is going to be the center of your life. This is going to be the center of your life. Who is directing your life? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, who is directing your life? Who's in the center of your life? What do you revolve around? Now, it's not a church. It's not a person. Jesus said, follow me. So we sing a song here at church. I'll give you the whole way it goes. It goes like this. Mark be the center of my life. Mark, be the center of my life. It's exciting and it's new. I could go on and on. Is that the way we sing it here? How do we sing it here? Jesus, be the... All right, a little Sela moment. All our campuses, a little Sela moment. Meaning just stop and think. Is God the center of your life this morning? No quick answers. I don't need a quick answer. In every decision that you make, do you run it by God first? 
do you run it by God first? Well, no, Pastor Mike, I mean, I don't need to ask God a lot about a lot of things. No, not to tie your shoes, no. Not what to fix for dinner, but I mean in the things of life. See, if he's going to be the center, he's going to be the center. So Jesus said, the first thing you're going to do if you follow me, you can't follow me unless you put me in front. Be number one. Now we move on. Here we go. Number two. Do commit to take up your cross. Now, in Jesus' day, that meant something very different than us. Today, cross is something we wear around us, a little jewelry. In those days, in the, with the Romans ruling Israel, they just walked down the street. There was crosses every town, everywhere. People have been crucified. So it's a very different thing. You know that every disciple, every apostle of the 12, or Judas died, of course, the, the other 10, except for John, all were martyred. So when Jesus said, you got to take up your cross, they knew what that meant. Well, what does it mean to us today? Most of us here will never die for our faith as far as being martyred. Now, there's plenty of Christians that still are. When I told you in Egypt, many of the Christians today are being burned out by the Muslims and murdered, churches killed, houses destroyed by the hundreds. This morning, as I speak, still happening. India, same. So what, is, what does the cross mean to me? Watch me. This is my will. And this is Jesus' will. God's will wins. God wants me to do this. I want to do this. If I'm following him, I follow him. Because he's the center. It's that simple. And what is that decision like? Who I marry, where I work, where I live, what I do with my finances, what kind of mission trip I go. Pastor Mark, uh, do you have a mission trip that's three days to the Bahamas on a cruise ship? Where do I sign up for that right now? No, you do that on your vacation. A a mission is a different thing. So understand, that's not difficult for us, really. The longer you serve God, these practical decisions, who to marry, what car to buy, the next thing, all those kind of things, we simply do God's will no matter what. Why? Because it makes sense to us. The longer you serve God, the more you'll discover that his will is the absolute best thing for you ever. And it continues to be that way. It's always right for me and for you. If you're struggling with that, don't struggle. He knows things you don't know. Last, look at Matthew 16, 24, and I want you to circle this as we go through. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if, what is if for? Circle if, what's that mean? It's a choice. It's a choice. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and here's our point number three. Do commit to follow Jesus daily, 24-7. Are you still wondering what is the one thing you should do? Pastor Mark gave us many opportunities to get involved with Calvary Chapel. To be like Christ, we must deny ourselves and give to others. That's what he did, and we're called to be like Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, he looked for ways to serve and to love. Are we doing that in our daily lives? Are we showing others Jesus by our actions? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. So what is this one thing we're supposed to do? Pastor Mark will answer that question for us next time here on Lessons for Living. Jesus told many people to do this one thing. Some did and some just couldn't and walked away. It's not always an easy thing to do, but when we do it, we find peace, blessings, freedom, and success. All of us desire those things in our lives, and Pastor Mark will tell us what it is next time. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching in the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurry